Well, good morning. Uh, well, my name's Ian, and uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, then I would love to have that opportunity sometime later this morning. But uh, I'm one of the uh, members of our preaching team here, and uh, in case you don't know, what we do is uh, when, when some of us other than Scott get an opportunity to preach, then we're doing an alternate series. And the series that we're doing uh, lately is uh, having to do with our identity and who we are in Christ and all the different metaphors the New Testament uses to describe what it means to be a Christian. And, you know, so you've heard us talk about being a child of God, being a masterpiece, being a sheep, being an athlete, and, you know, a whole bunch of metaphors in the New Testament where it describes what it means to be uh, a member of God's family. And this morning, we're going to look at the metaphor of a master builder. So um, you could say, I am a master builder, except if you know me or if you talk to my wife, then you'll find out I'm actually not a master builder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, um, some some people help me, and uh, and I can uh, I can benefit from other people's skills. You know, there's a difference between a, a novice or a journeyman or an apprentice and like a master builder, right? And uh, you may go to those Parade of Homes tours where you see the beautiful landscaping and the nice granite countertops and the perfect trim and the beautiful floors and all that. I can't do that. Like, give me a saw, a hammer, a two-by-four. I can make something functional, but I can't really make it, you know, foofy. Like, it doesn't look good, but it'll work, you know. So duct tape, a little bit of super glue, you know, it works when I'm involved with it. Uh, but I'm not really like a master builder. So for me to say I am a master builder, uh, I'm just thankful that it's a metaphor. So, <laughs> because otherwise I'd be lying. Uh, although, when, so I went on Google, and I, just, I was curious what would come up. I, I typed in Master Builder, and, and I found uh, a picture with an, a video that went along with it and everything um, of the, this guy that is a Master Builder. His name is Eric uh, Verzeji. I probably pronounced that wrong, but I have a picture for you of what his creation is. So he's, he's a Lego Master Builder. Yeah. Now, there are seven certified Lego master builders in this country. I didn't even know that was a classification, but it is. <laughs> so let's go ahead and take a look at this picture here. This is a life-size Captain America built out of Legos. Now, Eric and his team, I don't know how many people were on his team, they spent 277 hours building that. Yeah, that would, uh, doing the math, that's 11 and a half days straight. It's crazy. In fact, when they do this, they glue each piece together. That's like writing in pen. You know, you can't, like, oh, whoops, wrong one. You know, yeah, it's glued. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, his job is what a lot of little kids would dream of having as their job, right? Like, I get to play with Legos all day long. So Lego Corporation gives this guy some software, and he can design what it's going to look like, and it's like AutoCAD kind of stuff, and it tells him how many of the different pieces he's going to need and what sequence he's going to do it in. And um, if you did the math, then you would see that, that they laid one block every 90 seconds because, you know, 200, 277 hours, 26,000 blocks. Yeah, so one block every 90 seconds. Did I say minutes? 90 seconds. They were, yeah. So um, uh, there's another picture um, kind of zoomed in there a little bit. Uh, that's not pixelation. That's actually just you can see the texture of the Legos there. 
So, so he's a master builder. He's certified. He's gone through a whole lot of training, a whole lot of practice, and he's good at what he does. And, um, and so he gets to play with toys all day long for a living. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, but like I said, I am not a master builder. Um, if I did that, it wouldn't look like that. Just because I... It might be able to stand up, and there would be a lot of glue all around it, but it wouldn't, yeah. Um, but like I said, I'm thankful that it's a metaphor that, that the Apostle Paul uses when he talks about being a master builder. So let's take a look at that metaphor. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to look specifically at verses 10 through 15. So open with me. To that passage as we see what Paul says about being a master builder. By the way, as someone who is privileged enough to get to preach God's word, just when I hear pages turning, that's just like, that's candy. I just, I love hearing, it's like people are in their Bibles. Oh, thank you, Lord. Okay, so uh, 1 Corinthians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. It says, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, then he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire." So here Paul identifies himself as a master builder. If I were to distill this down into just kind of a a condensed statement uh, about what it means to me to be a master builder in God's kingdom, because really, you know, give me tools and I can make it work, it won't be pretty, but uh, allow me to serve in God's kingdom, and I believe that he's and uh, by his spirit, he's enabling me and all of us who are part of his family to be master builders in God's kingdom. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a master builder building uh, in, in his kingdom? Well, this statement would be, um, as God's master builder, I invest in eternity, building on Jesus as the foundation. I work in unity with God's building crew with all of us as the project. I am rewarded based on my obedience, not the results. So there's a lot there. That is a meaty statement. And uh, this morning, Lord willing, we'll plow through that and see what it is that he wants us to get from it. As a master builder, I invest in eternity. What does it mean to invest in eternity? Jesus told his disciples, uh, you know, um, in the the crowds, uh, don't store up treasure on earth, but store up treasure in heaven. You know, in in heaven where the thieves don't break in and steal, where rust does not destroy, where the moth does not eat. You know, invest in eternity, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. 
So I want to be a guy who's investing in eternity. In that passage, Paul said everyone's work is going to be tested uh, with fire. And whether or not you take that to be literal or, or figurative, um, either way, we know what fire does, right? Um, my Mac, Mac uh, my family and I, we drove uh, down to Medford uh, Friday, came back Saturday, quick little birthday party down there. And we saw that there was a fire along the, the side of the freeway, and thankfully the crews were able to get to it. It was in the mountainous areas, you know, kind of between Eugene and Roseburgish. And um, uh, But fire destroys, fire consumes, fire burns up. And where that fire was, what was left was a bunch of charred blackness. Okay, so in, in my life, what I'm spending my effort, my focus, my energy, my passions, um, in the end of days, when, when I stand before God and give an account, what's going to remain? Is it just going to be a whole bunch of charred wasteland and I'll be left standing on this foundation of Christ with nothing built around me? Or will I get to heaven and see all these rewards that I've been storing up and I'll be like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. So what we do is going to be tested by fire. It's going to be consumed. Anything that is temporal will not last. That which is eternal will last. So uh, I want to be investing in eternity, not a bonfire. So there are three ways that we can be sure that our, our investment will not last. The first one would be for it to not be built on Jesus. If what I'm doing is not built on Jesus, then it will not last. Jesus is eternal, and uh, he is the foundation. The, this passage talks a lot about foundation, and we'll unpack that later on. But just know that uh, w- without a foundation, a building is not stable, and a building is only as stable as the foundation that it's built on. So I want to be building on Jesus. If it's not built on Jesus, it won't last. Second one, um, if it's not invested in people. Man, I love people. Seriously, like this room is filled with a whole bunch of the image of God. Do you realize that? When, when God made man and woman, he made us in his image. And, and in his Ten Commandments, you know, early on, he says, do not make any graven image of anything in heaven. You don't get to make God says, you don't get to make a visual representation of me. See, he already did that, and you're sitting here. And so when I look at you, I'm like, oh, you reflect Jesus. Wow, you look like God. Well, when I, when I get to interact with you, when I get to hear your story, when I get to see what God's doing in your life and how he's been working in you and through you, it's a little taste of God. People are the currency of eternity. And man, I just hope that, that you love people because people are made in God's image. And uh, loving people is eternally significant. So if I, if I don't want my work to last, then, um, then I just shouldn't invest it in people. But I do want it to last. And so I will spend my life investing in people. Uh, And thirdly, uh, if it's not glorifying to God, then it will not last. See, if it's got me at the center of it, then it is temporal. If it is God-focused, then it will last. Jesus is the only foundation worth building on. The universe revolves around him, not me. 
right? Secular humanism, you know, postmodern thinking, the idea that it's all about me, uh, that's hogwash. I don't want that. I want to live my life with God at the center of my everything. And it'll last. Now, looking at that list, okay, so I got I to gotta build on Jesus, I got to invest in people, and I got to make sure it's glorifying God. And then I look at the way I spend my time, uh, the way I spend my money, the, the way that I spend all my mental energy, my emotional energy, and I think, okay, how am I doing on that? And it really, it, it shouldn't be so much a matter of how am I, like, like if I were to go through with a tally sheet and, you know, evaluate all the, the data, but it's more like what is my heart focus, right? Because uh, I'm re-roofing my house right now, and, um, and I've had some help with uh, a lot of projects in my house throughout my years, and um, thank you, <laughs> because I'm not a master builder, but when I do those things, sometimes I think, I stop and I look around, I'm like, this is all going to burn, right? There's going to come a day when God is going to come to this earth and judge it with fire and all of this stuff, like the roof that I'm putting on my house, it's going to burn. The, the front yard that I weed once in a while is going to burn. You know, the, um, the garage that I don't clean very often is going to burn. It's all going to burn. Why am I wasting so much time doing all this junk? Have you ever felt that way? Yeah. See, but you know, when I, when I re-roof my house, I can do that for the glory of God. I can do that with a heart of gratitude to him for the, um, the resources and for the body that can function that way and for the beautiful weather I get to enjoy and for the wife that's going to rub aloe on my back when I get a sunburn. You know, I can give God glory and, and be thanking him for all of these things. And then all of a sudden this roofing project is actually a glorifying God project. Or I can invite my kids up to help me with that. And I know they're so always eager and, and just like, yes, dad, I love you and I want to spend every minute with you. Please let me come up on the roof and help you. <laughs> and so I can enjoy their company. And, and all of a sudden I can be investing in people while I'm redoing my roof. See, so it's not, a, it's not like I have to, um, you know, walk around in, in robes and sandals and take a vow of poverty and be like, I am only investing in eternity but I, I can live in this world and invest in eternity. It's not a one or the other. It's a both and. And so please make sure that the focus of your everything is eternity. While we live in this earth, we get to practice that. I, I heard someone once say that, that every physical enjoyment on this side of eternity is a temptation to idol worship. But on the other side of eternity... Every physical enjoyment will be naturally a, a way to glorify God. And man, I look forward to that. In the meanwhile, we get to wrestle with it. We get to lean into it. We get to say, Lord, please help me glorify you in this. Lord, help me invest in people in this. Lord, help me make sure this is built on you while I'm doing this. So I'm a master builder investing in eternity. Uh, secondly, my foundation is Jesus. The foundation that I am building on is Jesus. Like I mentioned, foundations are very important in case you don't have a degree in engineering or architecture or whatever. Uh, I'll just say um, structures should have a foundation. Right? The foundation provides stability and it provides kind of the shape right? So you, you drive around and you see um, a house being built and you can see the concrete 
outline of what that building is going to look like. And if you've done some building, you can look and you go, oh, it looks like the garage is going to be there. And, you know, oh, it looks like they're going to have a little bay window over there because you can see the, the outline of it because the, the structure is built on the foundation. The foundation gives it the shape and it gives it the stability. You know, if you don't have the foundation, the ground is going to, you know, expand and contract and sink under the weight of the structure and it's not going to be good. So foundations, okay, they're important. Um, this last summer, uh, wait, it's still summer, barely, <laughs> okay, so uh, last month in June, uh, some of us went down to Livingston, Texas to do a heart change workshop down there, and let's just say their building code is not the same as it is up here in the Northwest. Driving around down there, I was actually really thankful for the, the codes and the permits and the inspections that we have, you know, it can be a little bit taxing, but it can also be, um, you know, secure. It can make sure that you actually have a good building. So I have a few pictures from Livingston, Texas of some, some structures without a foundation. Let's take a look here. Okay, so you can't really maybe see, uh, yeah, you can see a little bit there. Along the left, there is, there, there's a girder with some pier blocks, but there's no concrete foundation. So let's take a look, zoomed in on that corner. Maybe you can see it a little better there. Some, uh, you can see how the, the girder is a bit bowed and it's, uh, you know, the, the, the concrete blocks are maybe sagging a bit. Now let's take a look underneath the house. So when your kids are running around playing tag in the living room and jumping off of couches onto each other, you, you want a firm foundation, right? You don't want your house going like this when, you know, um, that's not okay. <laughs> Buildings should not look like that. I think there's one more... Um, yeah, look, the second pier block back there. Like, uh, imagine opening the door. You know how when doors sometimes get stuck when you're opening them or the window won't, you know, operate? It's because of stuff like this. The, the, the structure is not sound. It is important to have a foundation. Now, if you build a house before the foundation, like, like in this case, these people said, wow, we need to get a foundation in here. So there's a big process, a very expensive process they go through to to put the foundation in after the fact. See, they've gone along there and they've, they've stripped everything out. They dig in diagonally from the side and they just pour in these mammoth amounts of concrete pillars and then they, they jack it up. And it's just, it's a big hassle. Just put the foundation there, like before the house. It's so much easier. So, okay, all that to say, foundations are important. And, and Paul said that he would be building on or that he built the foundation, that he laid the foundation of Christ and that everyone else was building on that foundation. And uh, we need to be building a foundation. We need to be building on the foundation. A couple of simple points. Um, I need to be really intentional about how I'm building on this foundation. If, if I just walk into church and think, okay, sure, I'll, you know, um, I'll build, and, and then I just kind of start slapping some stuff together, then uh, I'm not taking seriously um, the, the work that God has called me to do. So I need to be really intentional about doing it well. Building on the foundation of Christ is a huge calling. We get to build on the foundation so 
it should look good. I should do, I should do it excellently. I should be doing it for his glory. I should be realizing that, uh, that everything is worth excellence when I'm building into eternity. And, and I shouldn't try to do any additions or floor plan adjustments, right? <laughs> because he's laid the foundation. The foundation is Christ. And if I come in and say, oh, what we really need is a little bit of this other stuff. And I start adding to Christ. Then that's not okay. So as a master builder, building on the foundation, which is Christ, I need to be committed to doing it excellently I need to be excited about it. I mean, I get to invest in eternity. The creator God of the universe is inviting us in saying, hey, partner with me, build this with me. And he hands us a tool and we're like, yeah. I mean, we should be excited to build into eternity with excellence and not adding to it. What Christ has done is sufficient. The work on the cross is sufficient. The way he has established his church is sufficient. We can invest in that. and We don't need to add on these other little extra rooms that we do sometimes. Okay, so we're investing in eternity. We're building on Jesus as a foundation, and we want to work in unity. Oh, unity. <laughs> oh, unity. Talking about the church and unity, it just seems to come up a lot. Okay, so... Um, uh, the reason I, I mentioned unity is because in this metaphor, I am both uh, the building and the builder. See, God is using me to build into other people, and God is using other people to build into me. And so I'm, I'm the project and the laborer at the same time. And so we need to be unified in the way that we approach that task, or else it could just be really weird. Um, I want to give you a little bit of context to, to see why... Um, um, Paul, why I believe unity is important here. Uh, each one of us are being built into, and each one of us um, is being built, uh, each one of us are b- building into others. There we go. So um, so this is incredibly important. Uh, looking at the context of chapter three, uh, let's back up, and um, uh, if you're still open to 1 Corinthians 3, then, then go back to verse three. Uh, here Paul says to the Corinthian church, Uh, You are still of the flesh. While there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? When one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollo watered, but God gave the harvest, or the growth. See, so Paul is striving for unity. And in the Corinthian church, in fact, Mac was sharing this with me the other day. Uh, she said, you know, I wonder if the main problem the Corinthians had was just that they, they were, everything that they were doing was about themselves. And then it, you look through the letter to the Corinthians and it's like, wow. Yeah, Paul's addressing selfishness in this area and in this area and in this area. Put self away, focus on each other. Oh, there's, there's more I should have continued. So then neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Uh, He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. 
So this is the context of what we read that's just after that, where Paul talks about him being a master builder and uh, inviting other people to evaluate, what am I building? Is it going to last? Is it not going to last? What building materials am I using? So in, in the Corinthian church, they were likely uh, separating into factions. Well, I don't know. You know, Paul led me to the Lord. Oh, yeah, well, I was baptized by this guy. Oh, yeah, well, this guy led me to the Lord. And they had their little favorite people. It'd be like saying, well, I am of Scott. Well, I am of Greg. I am of Dan. I am of Ian. I am of... And how about we just be about Jesus? It's just so much simpler that way. It's supposed to be that way. And whenever you get people building their own little kingdoms within the kingdom of God, then it just falls apart because it's not unified. It's factioned. And Paul says, don't faction off the family of God. We're all laboring together. Look, he says, Apollos and I, we're on the same team. So for you to say you're on team Apollos and for you to say I'm on team Paul, guess what? We're on the same team. Okay, so could we labor in unity here? And as we, uh, as we think about this, um, imagine a building project where all the subcontractors want to do whatever they want to do. You know, forget the blueprints. We'll just go on the work site. And the plumber says, you know, I, I think we ought to put the, put the bathroom in the middle of the house. And so he just puts a you know, bathroom in the middle of the house. And then the, the sheet rockers come in and say, well, you know what we really ought to do. And, and they just start doing their own thing. And the flooring guys say, hey, let's put some carpet in the kitchen. That'd be kind of cool. And <laughs> ew, yeah. and so if all the subcontractors start doing whatever they want to do on the building project without following the blueprint, um, they're going to be working against each other, and it's going to be ugly. Okay, could could we not work against each other? Could could we do it because God is beautiful? There's such a need for unity in the family of God, and. Um, lest I be misunderstood, I love this local expression of God's family here at Flight of Bible Church. Uh, we get along really well, as far as I know. I haven't experienced otherwise. <laughs> so I love the unity that we have with each other. I love that, that we are willing to say, I'm going to set myself aside and invest in eternity uh, shoulder to shoulder with you, and let's build into each other's lives. You know, if you've got an, a part of me that, that, that you see that I need to grow, please invest in me. And if I see something in you that I can help you grow, then I'm going to invest in you. And we're going to continue pouring our lives out into each other because we're both the builder and the project. That's the way God designed it. Um, this is seen pretty clearly in what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. So take a look at this. He says to Timothy, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... And trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's a big chain there. I don't know. I have a little diagram to help you see this chain. Paul gives to Timothy. Timothy gives to others who will give to others. So it's the gift that keeps on giving, right? It, um, it's a great multi-level marketing scheme. It's a great, you know, <laughs> not really, but sort of. I mean, think about it. It's like, like, um, like as, as I invest in you, then you can invest in other people who will invest in other people who invest in other people. And God's family keeps growing and being built into by each other because that's the way he's designed it to be. So then who's investing in you? Who's investing in you? And who are you investing in? 
Now, you might think, well, I don't have anything worth investing in other people. Uh, did I mention you're made in the image of God? If you belong to Christ, you have his spirit in you, and he is using you like a living stone to build together his family. There is something unique in you that we need. And so go find someone to pour that out into. Or you might think, well, I've been a Christian forever. I've read the Bible umpteen dozen times. I don't really need anyone investing in me. Really? Ask your spouse if that's true. <laughs> or your roommate or your kids. We're all in process. We all need someone investing into us, and we all ought to be pouring ourselves out into other people. And see, if I approach it with this sense of humility, then I can put myself aside and I can say, Lord, what are you doing and can I be a part of it? Instead of like, Lord, this is what I want to do. Would you sign my blueprint so I can build my own little addition over here, my own little guest shack off to the side? No, I don't want to do that. I want to say, Lord, what are you doing? How can I be a part of it? Okay, so investing in eternity. And uh, let's see, what was the other one there that we did before that? Uh, the foundation is Jesus working in unity. And finally, um, my reward is based on obedience, not results. Thank you, God, for that truth. You know, the, the Bible does not speak against the importance of effort, but it does speak against thinking that we can earn salvation. So I do need to put out some effort. God is calling me to be part of what he's doing. I need, to, I need to do the work. But I need to be very clear that I'm not earning salvation. I'm not earning favor with God in that effort. But I'm being obedient in that. God does not need our productivity, but he desires our involvement. I used to work for uh, FedEx Ground, and uh, productivity was a big deal. You know, how many packages can you load into a trailer per minute? You know, or uh, loading the delivery trucks. How many packages can you load into the delivery trucks? What's our, what's our throughput per hour? What's our, you know, all this kind of stuff. And people walk around with clipboards and, they, and stopwatches and they, they evaluate. And if you want to, you know, become a manager, then you got to be really productive and you got to do all this great work. Some of us view God that way that God is evaluating our productivity. And God's saying, well, I don't know, I really need some more work to get my kingdom built here. So I've got my stopwatch, got my clipboard. Come on, you need to do a better job. I don't believe that's how God would view it. I think God desires our involvement. We just had a VBS here a while ago. Um, show of hands, those of you that helped out with that. Wow, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's a lot of you. Now, now, sitting with little kids at tables, I, I wasn't able to be here for it, but I assume we had a little craft time, kind of, yeah? So, um, so imagine at VBS, there's craft time, and there's like streamers with tape, and you're taping the streamers onto the whatever to make a design of a thing, okay? And uh, did I mention I'm not a master builder? <laughs> Okay, so so you're sitting at the table with the little kids, and they're putting the tape on the little streamers, 
section and putting it on the whatever, and it's looking like a thing. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and the, this one kid is just really frustrated. Maybe he doesn't know how to use tape. Because he's a little kid. You know, little kids have to be taught how to use tape. And, and this, this little kid is just like, this is stupid. I don't like this. Well, he's not having very much fun. Now, if he would say, excuse me, teacher, can you show me how to use tape? Or maybe the teacher notices that he's not able to do it and comes over and says, oh, well, let me show you. See, God's not interested in that perfect thing looking awesome with streamers taped to it. God's interested in involvement. He's interested in process. And when God gives me something that I look at it and go, well, this is stupid. (laughs) It might be because he wants me to say, God, I need help. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to love my family like Christ loves the church. I don't know how to pour myself out for other people. I don't know how to go through this pain. I don't know how to trudge through this monotonous existence. I don't know how to to pay these bills. I don't know how to provide for my family. Whatever it is, he just wants us to say, Lord, help. And he wants us to enjoy that process with him. He wants us to be involved with him. I've got some pictures maybe that will illustrate this uh, clearly. Um, here's a picture of a, of a dad uh, buying, a, a, the, this family's a friend of mine, um, little kid. I don't know how old, maybe that kid's like three or four years old, uh, two. Yeah, I don't know, I'm bad at aging. And so, but anyway, here's dad walking out of the store with the two by four. Now, how productive is that little kid right there? Right? Is he carrying his weight? You know, it, it, Dad's probably walking behind him to make sure that the two by four doesn't crash into anything. You know, and he's like swing steering from the back or whatever. But the little kids just you know trudging along, helping Dad carry the two by four. You could, if if we had, um, yeah, you might be able to see it. Dad's arm is actually flexing as he's holding the weight of the the two by four so that the kid doesn't have to. So when when Paul says, "I am a master builder laboring with God." that's the picture that comes to my mind. It's like I'm holding that end of the two by four and and I get to partner with what God is doing. See, he desires my involvement, not my productivity. One more picture I want you to see here. Same same family, raking leaves. I wonder how much the kids are contributing to the mess rather than to the cleaning up of, of the leaves but that's okay because they're involved. They're partnering with dad and they're having fun. Uh, see the, um, the little exchange going on there between dad and son. He's got an arm full of leaves and he's, uh, he's getting ready to dump it into the wheelbarrow. And, uh, and one picture even zoomed in a bit further. Look at the expression on that kid's face. I want to look at God like that. Whatever he's given me to do, I just want to be like, yeah, okay, here I go. How's this? He's having a good time with his dad. He's partnering with him. That I guarantee you that child is not concerned about how productive he is right now. <laughs> he's just enjoying some time with dad. 
And that's what Jesus invites us into. He invites us to be co-laborers, building on the foundation of Christ, investing in eternity, serving each other in unity, loving each other well. So then, just a few questions to leave you with. And these aren't on your notes. You can write them down if, if you'd like. Um, are, are you building eternity or a bonfire? Remember, it's not a matter of taking a vow of poverty and walking around in sandals, but it's a matter of every day living for people, living for Christ, investing in eternity. Are you investing in eternity or a bonfire? Secondly, um, what is your life built on? I want my life to be built on Christ. I want to lay the foundation of my life on him so that no matter what comes my way, everything might fall down and fall apart, but at least I'm on a firm foundation to be built up in him. And so please live with Jesus as the center of your everything. It is the only way to get through eternity, to get through this life into the next. Thirdly, uh, who's investing in you and who are you investing in? That mutual building into each other. Ask God if there's someone that he wants you to be investing in. Ask God if there's someone that should be investing in you. And I would say if, if you don't have anyone pouring their lives out into you, feel free to go to someone and say, hey, would could we get together for coffee? There's just something in you that, that I want some of. You know, see if that person would be willing to hang out with you once in a while. Get some of that on you from them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Um, thank you for being that firm foundation. Thank you for being the only person worth building my life on. Lord, forgive me for those times that I have tried to build my own work outside of you and base my life on something outside of you. Lord, thank you for your loving correction that brings me back onto your firm foundation. Lord, please give us hearts that desire to be involved with you. Uh, to partner with you, to not be scared of you evaluating and condemning and um, judging our productivity, but rather just to partner with you and enjoy that time together. In Jesus' name, amen.